Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. And we start with some breaking news. Picket lines back up at BC ports. An offer presented to both sides last week for ratification has been rejected. Our Rumina Dea is live with more on what we're learning about this turn of events. Rumina. Sophie, the tentative four-year deal which was reached last Thursday has been obliterated. Port workers back on the picket lines as of 4.30 this afternoon. Now the employer says the deal was rejected by union leadership before the members even had a chance to vote on it. I tried to ask the workers on the picket line about this but they said no comment. Now the employer said that it offered an increase of 10% in wages and benefits as well as other measures to improve training recruitment and retention. For the union, this is about jurisdiction. They don't believe the tentative agreement will protect jobs. Their major concerns are over wages, contracting out and automation. The strike, which lasted 13 days, July 1st to the 13th, if you can remember, caused a shutdown of more than 30 ports across British Columbia, including Canada's largest port, the Port of Vancouver. Now, stakeholders say it's a major blow to Canada's economy and reputation. The Greater Vancouver Board of Trade estimates almost $10 billion worth of traded goods has been affected, causing significant economic harm. I think the government doesn't have much choice now but to legislate them back, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, 13 days was bad enough. It's going to take till October to clear that through the supply chain. And if this goes back on, not only is it going to get, you know, jam up the supply chain, it makes Canada look like a, a, a laughing stock. I would predict the government's going to tell the parties it's up to them to do this. And uh, they may. They may issue a, a veiled threat. Now, stakeholders across the board are calling on the Trudeau government to end this. Ottawa has the power to step in. They actually did two years ago at the port strike in Montreal. As far as what happens next, we don't know if there are any plans to resuscitate the negotiations. Back to you. All right, thanks for that, Ramina Dea, reporting live. Now let's bring in Keith Baldry with more on this breaking story. And Keith, you have details of just what the union rejected. Yeah, the terms of settlement recommended by the federal mediator has not been made public. I can show you the numbers. Though. I think it will surprise people what the unions turned down here. Basically, a compounded wage increase over four years. This is a four-year settlement from the mediator of more than 19%. On top of that, so that would raise the hourly wage to more than $57 an hour. An average $3,000 signing bonus, for, uh, uh, average for full-time staff, an 18.5 increase to the retirement, uh, retirement payout, which would take it to more than 
$96,000 for a full-time employee and benefits for casual work. So that's what the unions turned down. Uh, they're looking for more than that. I think what's driving some of the dispute here is the settlement reached by longshoremen in the western United States, up and down the coast. They got 32% wage increase, albeit over six years. So that seems to be clouded over this talks as well. As you heard a number of people that in Rumi's story, uh, there's going to be a big call for the federal government to get involved here, and that means imposing the settlement. Don't be surprised to see the House of Commons be recalled fairly soon. All right, we'll see what the next move turns out to be. Thanks for that, Keith, in Victoria. All right, now to the wildfire situation in this province at a fast-growing fire near Cranbrook. As Aaron MacArthur shows us tonight, it's had a disastrous impact on half a dozen families who've lost everything. From the air and on the ground, crews struggling to get the St. Mary's fire under control. According to the BC Wildfire Service, the blaze has ballooned to 800 hectares. Pushed by strong winds and dry conditions, flames tore through the community of Ackham. According to Nasukin Joe Pierre, six homes have been lost. We have a lot of people that are displaced right now. Um, pretty much the entire uh, residential area of the community has been evacuated. The fire sparked Monday. The cause is still under investigation, but it's believed a downed power line was the ignition point. The fire raced towards the small First Nation community near the Canadian Rockies International Airport. Authorities ordered the evacuation of roughly 50 homes. For some, the fire moved too quickly. The fire was like 50 feet away. And then, let's go, let's go, it's burning up. So we just barely got out of there now. And I lost everything. My house, my cars, my clothes, I'm sorry, but it just hurt on me. While the size of the fire has increased, the intensity of the smoke appears to have diminished Tuesday, but unpredictable winds creating difficult conditions to get it under control. Aircraft were able to get in the air to map the fire Tuesday and attack it with water bombers and helicopters. Three initial attack crews plus two unit crews are on the ground using heavy equipment. You know, we, we have, I, th I think, maximum effort happening right now. You know, maximum effort considering what's happening in the rest of the province as well, right? Like I know that, that resources are stretched thin everywhere. Yeah. Crews will continue to fight this fire through the night. Hundreds of homes outside the reserve are on evacuation alert. People being told to prepare to leave at a moment's notice. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And again, that fire, just one of many as our hot, dry weather sets records every day. The total land area burned so far this year is the highest ever recorded. And as Richard Zussman reports, with more resources and personnel arriving in B.C. to help with the firefight, people are being urged to do whatever they can to conserve water. It is just one of many B.C. communities fighting the flames. A fire near Lake Okanagan Resort sparking an emergency alert. It's very quick and it's so weather driven and the drought and the heat, it's really concerning in terms of the conditions. On Tuesday, the province marking a hard to comprehend milestone. More land has burned in BC so far this year than any on record due to wildfires and July is barely half over. With 1.39 million hectares burned as of today's update, we have uh, and uh, we're heading into the peak season. Right now, there are 388 fires burning across BC, 258 out of control and 21 called fires of note, meaning they pose a threat to buildings and infrastructure. 
the modeling continues to paint the same troubling picture officials have been fearing for months. Temperatures remain above seasonal levels with precipitation expectations below normal. The models, they don't look great for the rest of the summer. Much needed help arriving. With 75 soldiers touching down in Vanderhoof Tuesday, 75 soldiers arriving in Burns Lake Wednesday. Support for a wildfire service burned out and grieving. Cliff Chapman speaking publicly for the first time since Devin Gale's death on the front line last week. BC Wildfire Service is a very tight-knit community. In my 22-year career, uh, we have never had a firefighter fatality. Uh, it is impacting our organization greatly. What's also impacting the work is where the fires are burning. The wildfire service plans for province-wide fires, but with crews in the northeast, along the Rockies and in the Okanagan, it makes the arriving backup even more important. It adds a little element of challenge, but that's where we start to beef up our, our logistics team to make sure that we have our assets moving in a safe manner. The province also experiencing drought conditions, assessing the damage near impossible as British Columbians brace for water restrictions and whatever else may come. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. And another fire on the North Shore, the third in recent weeks, this one in Lynn Valley in a heavily populated area where thousands of people like to get outside in the summer months. That in itself increases the risk. Our Kamal Karamali is live on the North Shore tonight. Kamal, officials are particularly worried about smokers who perhaps aren't acting responsibly. Sophie, discarded cigarettes are one of the biggest concerns for fire crews this fire season. Now, where I am is the trailhead to Lynn Canyon Park, where that overnight fire took place. And let me just show you how close uh, the residential area is to this trailhead. Homes right along the tree line here, which is why many people are concerned that a wildfire pouring into this neighborhood is almost inevitable. A fast-spreading wildfire sparked Monday night at Lynn Canyon in North Vancouver, only a couple of hundred meters from nearby residences. About 11 o'clock, I smelled really thick smoke. Uh, I just live in an apartment down here. Matthew Bond biked from his apartment to search for the source. After about 10-minute walk up the trail, uh, about a kilometer in, I found a fire. And so I called 911. The blaze knocked out by late Tuesday morning, a short-lived scare for nearby residents who feared their homes may be in danger. The potential was there for that fire to, to grow uh, exponentially. So uh, we're glad that we got on top of that when we did. This, the third wildfire in three weeks in the North Shore, close to urban areas. A wildfire on Mount Seymour last week took nearly two days to get under control. The cause of that blaze is still under investigation. But the wildfire threatening homes near Horseshoe Bay in late June was determined to be caused by what fire crews call smoking materials. When it is preventable, it is quite frustrating. The crews are getting taxed. Uh, they're doing a great job, but it's it's makes us all very nervous and on edge, as you can imagine. West Vancouver's fire chief says the worst is yet to come. And it's just a matter of time that we're going to see a house fire go into the into the wildland or the wildland's going to come into the municipalities. We've got one, two, three, four. 
Elise Roberts sees that dangerous behavior firsthand, picking up cigarette butts daily near Inter River Park in North Vancouver. There's about 40 cigarette butts in there. Close to where Monday's fire began. Don't discard a cigarette butt. There's trees that go all the way along the bank here, and there are thousands of residents here. If it wasn't for the hard work of DNV Fire Services, this entire community could have gone up in flames. So an important reminder that there is a campfire ban at this moment, as well as a warning and a reminder that there should be no smoking at parks like the one here uh, at Lynn Canyon. Also, West Vancouver's fire chief adds that with the worsening heat and dry conditions, that uh, the drought restrictions are almost likely to be bumped up to stage two, which would mean that uh, there would be no lawn watering uh, permitted moving forward. Back over to you. All right, thanks for that. Kamal Karamali reporting on the North Shore. Firefighters have been working hard to put out a brush fire in Surrey this afternoon near Scott Road and King George Boulevard. Surrey Fire Service says it started in a yard and then spread to two vehicles, an abandoned office and a shipping container carrying furniture and household items. It's the latest in a string of brush fires in the city, including 12 that broke out on Monday and at least six more that started today. Firefighters are urging residents to be careful around ignition sources and report any fires they see immediately. We are in a drought type conditions here. Uh, fire, uh, brush fires especially right now are very active. Uh, Again, we just rely on public education, public uh, doing their part and uh, being very careful with what they discard out their uh, vehicles with any sort of uh, ignition source whatsoever. The Surrey Fire and Rescue Service says it doesn't know how this fire started. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with more on the concern about the coming heat, its impact on wildfires and the advice from BC Wildfire Service. Christy. Chris, so we've got four to five days of hot, dry weather on the way. And BC Wildfire Service says that over the last 10 days, the number of lightning strikes that we've had across the province in combination with how dry it is, uh, there's huge concern or high potential for what is called holdover fires. So these are fires that are smoldering in the ground. They've been caused by lightning strikes, even if they come with rainfall. But they're sitting there and they're virtually undetectable at this time until hot, dry weather starts to surge and with the coming days that's what they're concerned about they say that they are getting prepared but they're really urging the public also to be aware so if you were to see a fire call on your cell star 5555 or on your phone 1-800-663-5555 also download the app lots of great information there and you can report fires very easily on the app back to you all right thanks christy it's happened again. A truck has struck an overpass on the lower mainland. This time it happened on Highway 99 in Delta and it's made a mess of traffic for much of the day. Krista Dow is live with more on what we know about this accident and the state of traffic right now. Krista. 
Uh, Sophie, Chris, I'm getting major deja vu vibes as we see yet another Metro Vancouver overpass being struck. Now, as you can see behind me, structural engineers are on site assessing the damage after a truck with an oversized load struck that overpass earlier today. Now, let's take a closer look at some of that damage earlier today. Now, you can see the exposed rebar and the broken concrete. We did call the Surrey company Bright Sky Disposal, and they tell us they don't know what happened earlier and are still waiting to talk to the driver. Highway 99 southbound at 17A is closed as engineers assess the damage from the 11.30 a.m. incident. Highway 17A overpass is closed westbound. Now, commercial drivers are responsible for ensuring their loads are within the parameters. The question, again, how to curb this type of reckless behavior. I think the word is frustrated. Um, you know, when I think of the, the thousands of motorists that are impacted, including our members, including the drivers, uh, the commercial drivers that are moving in the area to have this happen again, uh, it is just so frustrating. Well, we certainly have to look at fines. Uh, we have to look at more education for the truckers. But we also have to look at the opportunities to deal with this on a more longer term basis. And that means either uh, redoing the overpasses or more cost effectively, lowering the road footprint down below the underpass. Now, the Ministry of Transportation says it is working with the Trucking Association on things like higher fines or more driver education. But until then, we can expect to see more of this and what feels like a really bad loop from that movie Groundhog Day and plenty more frustration for drivers. Chris, Sophie. All right. Thanks for that. Krista Dow reporting live. Metro Vancouver Regional District is going ahead with plans to build a new water supply tunnel under Stanley Park, replacing the existing one built in the 1930s. It's going to be a big job, and as Travis Prasad reports, residents who use it the most have a list of concerns. Look past the calming beauty of Stanley Park, and you'll find a sure sign that the peace will soon be disturbed. It's basically the whole traffic management issue for the whole of the West End. I'm very, very concerned for the livelihoods of small businesses. More than 30 metres beneath the city's crown jewel, Metro Vancouver is set to build a new 1.4-kilometre-long water supply tunnel to replace the existing main built in the 30s. These water mains aren't expected to last forever, and it this 90-year main needs to be replaced, and we've experienced some leaks over the years. It's a five-year project, and there will be disruptions. Trails will be rerouted, and 200 meters of Stanley Park Drive will be reduced to one shared lane for motorists and cyclists. We're committed to keeping people moving safely and efficiently during construction, and we have a robust uh, traffic management strategy in place to, to ensure that that happens. Much of the work will happen at three shaft sites, one north of Lumberman's Arch, another at the park service yard, and one just off of Chilco Street. This rendering showing the size of the hole, about five meters in diameter, directly across from apartments. All the buildings in this neighborhood are built in the 1950s and 60s, and they're quite fragile. And we're gonna be doing a lot with noise and air pollution and dust. With all that digging, the dirt will have to go somewhere. The plan is for dump trucks to go in and out of the West End, rumbling through what's typically a quiet corner of the downtown core. The congestion in the West End will be 
will be enormous. It's already congested on on Denman Street and Davies Street, and that's the designated truck route. The $300 million tunnel will be seismically sound and double the amount of drinking water transported from the North Shore to Vancouver, Richmond and Delta. Work is expected to start late next year and last until 2029. Travis Prasad, Global News. Rogue campers causing a stink in Squamish. They're setting up anywhere they can find space, often without available bathrooms. Locals say it's causing a messy problem. And First Nations are even considering blockades to keep them out. That's next on the News Hour. BC twins who've gone country. How a humble cancer fundraiser honoring their mom grew into one of the best concerts of the summer later on the news hour also tonight the victim of a bear attack using his brush with death to save others right now though squamish is known of course as a playground for adventure seekers but lately that means campgrounds are packed and some people are turning to free alternatives wherever they can when nature calls a lack of facilities in town means many campers don't have a place to go, Kristen Robinson reports. After camping outside the Squamish Walmart for months, this is the end of the road for a few dozen RV dwellers. The big box chain known for allowing people to overnight in its parking lots across North America, handing out notices for long-term vehicles to be removed or get towed. I think it's more a group of locals that own houses that stirred the pot. Spanish tourist David Ball hasn't been staying here but understands why others are. Living in his van was the only way he could work in Whistler. If you want to come here and work and travel, it's the only way. Because if you rent a, a house or room, it's so expensive. While some campers were reluctant to talk about their looming evictions, Hi there. James Ducker says he's lived in Squamish for 25 years, works six days a week, and is just trying to survive. We're just down on our luck. We're trying to make the best of what we, what we can do with what we have. Like, not everybody can afford $3,000 a month in rent. I feel sorry for all the people that are camping. There's nowhere to live, basically. But at the same time, we do need to have them move on because... There are no facility, proper facilities. This is actually ridiculous. It's like a full-on campground. At night, the Walmart parking lot is packed with campers. This overcrowding leading to concerns about human waste on local trails. The Squamish Nation says it's against any pollution in the culturally significant area. It's not like we're going to go to someone's backyard and terrorize it. You know, whether we're parking our camper and leaving garbage and pollutants behind, it's that respect. We're going to continue to advocate to the, to the province around uh, additional, additional campsites, and we're working extremely hard on uh, affordable housing. Ducker says he'll move his RV where he doesn't know. I consider myself part of this community. There's no way I'm just going to shit on my community. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, concerned by the growth of the van life community and its impact on the environment, the District of Squamish brought in a camping bylaw in 2019, banning camping on the Squamish Spit and in forested areas along the Stuamis River. People are still allowed to stay overnight in designated campgrounds and on Crown land outside city limits. The hidden camera scare that turned out to be a bust. We just found out we were being watched in our Airbnb. 
What an investigation into those allegations actually found coming up. And a boost to the BC family benefit. How some families will get hundreds more. Good evening and good news. A tow truck is finally on scene to a stalled vehicle southbound at the north end of the Patello Bridge. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million plus estimated 10 Max Millions. Lotto Max dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. BC government says a program that provides financial relief for families will be expanded permanently. Yeah, as Global's Kylie Stanton reports, it's welcome news to many parents struggling with the cost of living, but critics say the province could do a lot more to help people get by. Given all of the global factors at play, British Columbians are seeing their bank balances slide. But some parents will soon be getting a little relief. We can up the grilled cheese budget. <laughs> um, it, just, it just means that little piece of breathing room. Good morning, everyone. and welcome. The province announcing Tuesday it's permanently increasing the BC Family Benefit, a regular monthly payment from the government to eligible families. Starting this week, over 285,000 families will see increased payments arrive in their bank accounts. Eligibility is based on income and number of children, reaching families with yearly earnings below around $107,000 with one child and below roughly $144,000 with three. Payments are now 10% higher than last year meaning a two-parent family of four will now see an additional $250 a year, with as much as a $750 increase for a single-parent family with two children. Payments now averaging $2,254 over the course of a year. And about 95% of single-parent families in BC will receive this benefit. There can be a, a stepping stone. Sharla Huber has been one of them. It's really helped me build my career while still giving my kid opportunities to do different recreational activities and art classes and sports. It really helped my family in those times. But times are arguably even tougher now and not just for families. Critics say more help is needed right across the board. What can be done to lower the cost of housing? What can be done to lower the cost of food? What can government do to help everyone who is really struggling to make ends meet right now? Still, every dollar counts. The more money coming in helps take some of the pressure off. And for this family, that's priceless. You know, my anxiety goes down, which makes me a better, more effective parent. Kelly Stanton, Global News, Victoria. RCMP say a suspected camera in a power outlet at an Airbnb in Seashell turned out to be just that, a power outlet. We just found out we were being watched in our Airbnb. Kennedy Caldwell posted this video after alerting RCMP about what they thought was a camera hidden in the electrical socket of their rental in Seashell. RCMP picked up the case and had a lab take the outlet apart. Late last month, the results came back and it turns out that outlet was indeed an outlet. The complainants, the homeowner and Airbnb have all been notified. Still ahead, Iran's morality police are back. The disturbing new crackdown and the brave women still defying it. Next on the News Hour. Plus, the $10,000 bonus Surrey is offering its officers to join the RCMP. 
why at least one lawyer says it might be illegal. Here we are back again in Delta, where Highway 99 is still blocked to southbound traffic at Highway 17A after an oversized truck hit the overpass. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $70 million, plus an estimated 10 max millions. Lotto Max, dream to the max. Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway 99 and 17A in Delta. BC's public safety minister is scheduled to make his final decision on policing in Surrey tomorrow. In the meantime, City Council has just launched a new incentive to entice Surrey Police Service officers to join the RCMP. As Catherine Urquhart reports, those officers are being offered a one-time $10,000 cash payment to make the switch. On Wednesday, a decision will come from Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth about the future of policing in Surrey. But on the eve of that announcement, the City of Surrey is offering members of the Surrey Police Service cash if they become Mounties, $1.5 million worth. The Surrey Police Union's lawyer says this breaches a number of laws. The city's offer amounts to interference in uh, employment relations, which is a tort, uh, the tort of interference in labor relations, tort of inducing breach of contract, and the tort of conspiracy between the city and the RCMP to procure breach of contract. The so-called Stabilization Allowance Program offers SPS officers $10,000 each if they join the RCMP within the next two months. That drops to $8,000 in the third month, $5,000 in the fourth month. Police officers don't make career decisions over $10,000. Mayor Brenda Locke declined comment, but posted this on Twitter. Restaffing the Surrey RCMP to full strength is exceeding expectations. Surrey's manager released a statement saying, the program approved by Surrey Council is designed to assist current Surrey Police Service members who choose to continue policing in Surrey as a member of the Surrey RCMP. I think it was very premature for Council to making any sort of decision around funding to lure Surrey Police Service to come over to the RCMP. The union's lawyer says the offer exposes the city RCMP and others to potential damages, pointing out Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke is chair of the Surrey Police Board. Moreover, it could cause potential problems for the mayor, who owes a fiduciary duty to the city police board, the de facto employer of the police officers deployed by the SPS. Uh, and this is uh, arguably a breach of her uh, fiduciary duty to the board. Depending on the province's announcement, the union may seek an injunction against the city. This seemingly never-ending battle over policing in Surrey due to end on Wednesday. Perhaps. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Iran's morality police are back with a vengeance, ignoring widespread protests that have rocked the country. Here in B.C., human rights activists say the regime is enforcing two-tier status in Iran, actively holding women back from living freely. Negar Mojtahedi reports. <laughs> Policing the way women dress. Morality police arresting this woman for showing her hair. The Handmaid's Tale, not just a dystopian book by Margaret Atwood. After the in-custody death of Masajina Amini sparked massive protests, morality police changed their tactics, turning to AI to enforce mandatory dress code. Now they're back on the streets. 
The Islamic Republic interrupting their regular programming Sunday to declare hijab enforcers back in full force. Telling women covering your hair is for your, quote, mental health and the security of society threatening them with arrests and detentions. They are in daily battle. Iranian-Canadian gender equality expert Lily Porzan fled Iran. Her mother, a human rights activist and lawyer in Iran. Her father, a well-known journalist before the 1979 Islamic Revolution, both jailed. Her father died under mysterious circumstances. That not only the morality police, but the general you know, legal system is against women and it's based on gender apartheid system. A popular Iranian actor criticizing the mandatory hijab laws on social media, even as police raided his home live on Instagram. Attempting to avoid arrest by scaling the wall from his third floor apartment. It's women that are being targeted. It's their male allies that are being targeted. A human rights lawyer says Iranian laws have created massive inequalities between men and women. The uh, mandatory hijab laws are just like a visible uh, part of a much broader gender discriminatory framework. A full display of totalitarianism in Iranian streets. Women remaining defiant. Negar Moshehedi, Global News. A Vancouver Island man who survived a grizzly bear attack is urging others to make blood donation part of their summer plans. Back in August of 2019, Colin Dowler was mountain biking when he encountered the bear. The animal charged, knocked Dowler down, biting his hands and legs. Dowler managed to pull out his pocket knife and stab the bear, which then backed off. He wrapped his shirt around his wounds and biked seven kilometers for help. He says donated blood was the key to his survival, and now he's asking anyone who can to give the gift of life. I owe my life to the blood donors, essentially, um, for what it's worth. And if there wasn't O negative blood uh, in that helicopter when they arrived at the logging camp, uh, the odds of me surviving the flight back to the hospital uh, were slim. Uh, there's even a comment uh, that I might not have even have made it into the helicopter uh, if they didn't have O-negative blood on hand. Canadian Blood Services is making an urgent call for donors, saying it has 3,000 appointments that need to be filled every week just to top up the inventory of blood and plasma. Still ahead, country music fights cancer. This is right up her alley. She loved country music. The BC Twins honoring their mom with a major concert fundraiser. And coming up later in sports, a homecoming for lacrosse legend Kurt Miloski, hoping he's the guy to turn the Warriors franchise around. All right, Christy Gordon is here now. I feel like we've been talking for so long about this drought, but it just persists, Christy. Yeah, it really is incredible. And you think back, I mean, it really started last spring, Sophie. So it's been several uh, seasons of this, but this has been exceptional indeed having it. So, uh, oh, I think my mic is way down here. I hope that you can hear me properly. <laughs> All right. So what we're expecting is uh, a surge in heat over the next four to five days. So we are going to see dry weather. We have the potential for cooler weather into early next week, but overall, we're not expecting much precipitation and it has the potential 
potential of bringing more lightning strikes. Now, in terms of lightning strikes, we'll be keeping our eye on the Chilcotin region tomorrow, as well as the BC Peace River area. But generally, we're not expecting widespread lightning strikes, just some sunshine and heat. Uh, and widespread smoke will be in the BC Peace River area. Otherwise, most other regions, including Prince George, it will just be local smoke. So that is some relief for the Prince George area after more than a week of widespread smoke. So there's your forecast for tomorrow. It's the start of the heat. We'll see it surge in the interior on Thursday and Friday for the South Coast area. The two hottest days will be Wednesday and Thursday. No rain in the forecast as far as we can see. The best potential will be on Monday, but that's still days away, so we'll be fine-tuning that as we get closer. Here's tonight's Central Windows weather window coming to you from the Kalamalka Lake area. Emily sharing this with us. Beautiful shot. Thanks, Emily, for that one with the beautiful color in the lake there. Mm. Is it ever? Thanks, Close Christy. For yeah, beautiful spot. Mm. Okay, Squire joins us now with a look ahead of what's coming up in sports. Squire? Yes, the worst team in Major League Soccer now has the best player. All the phones are out, all the cameras are out, and they're just here to capture one man. And that man is Lionel Messi, who held his first practice with Inter Miami today, and it was a huge event. Also tonight, Twins Gone Country, how they turned personal loss into one of the summer's hottest concerts. From all the teams that come to play, when BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the, wearing the same thing, but I think I you guys the are. the exact same thing. Were you also, Squire? Uh, I, no, well, different, different tie. Different tie. Yeah. I had well, a shirt on, I had a jacket on, but I had a different tie on. Well, clearly, I have to go shopping. <laughs> okay. All right, what you got? Okay, we're going to start with uh, the Major League Soccer season is now on a break until... August 20th, but the teams aren't on a break. They're about to start the League's Cup, which is a tournament that involves Major League Soccer and the Mexican League. Vancouver is in a group with LA Galaxy and Leon of Mexico. The top two of these three will make the knockout round, and the Caps will play Leon at BC Place on Friday. But Vancouver might use this tournament as a chance to rest some of the veterans and get some younger players in, which is smart because there is no parade for winning the League's Cup. We're not going to change 11 players from the last game from the Galaxy, but of course it's a good way also to understand uh, uh, and to give minutes to them and to, to make them grow for the, fine, the, the end of the season. All right, what you are watching is the realization of a dream for Major League Soccer. Lionel Messi's first practice with Inter-Miami, there were reporters and cameras from over 100 countries. This is how big Messi coming to America is in the soccer world. And it's likely his first game will be just as big. Friday, League's Cup game when Miami plays Cruz Azul of Mexico. Before Messi signed, tickets for that game were around 40 bucks. Now it's sold out. Scalpers could get thousands for his debut. What's interesting is Inter-Miami is the worst team in MLS as far as points are concerned, but they're now the most followed team in the world, just like the LA Galaxy was when it got David Beckham. Well, Kurt Miloski has won at every level of lacrosse, both as a player and as a coach. People around this area know him very well, and now the Vancouver Warriors want him to help them win, too. 
So today, Miloski was hired as the Warriors' new general manager and coach. It's the kind of guy this team has needed for a while. 2.30 clock for the home team. Craig Kahn with it. Down to Miloski, faking, shooting, and scoring. Welcome to Vancouver, Kurt Miloski. You can say that again. 19 years after Kurt Miloski played for the then Vancouver Ravens, he's back home here in the Lower Mainland. Vancouver Warriors hiring Miloski as coach and general manager. What took so long? <laughs> a lot of loyalty to Calgary and uh, the you know, time was right and you know just uh, made the move for my family and for the organization and for lacrosse in BC so I think the time was right was now. The timing is right because Miloski's done a lot of winning something the Warriors have not. He's won NLL championships as a player and a coach. He was also named the league's coach of the year last season. In his nine seasons behind the bench with the Calgary Roughnecks, his team made the playoffs eight of nine years. Hiring Kurt legitimizes us immediately as a team. And I think that he is going to bring his pedigree and all of his experience and uh, his character to the locker room. And he's an outstanding guy, very honest, very hardworking, and those are the qualities that we're going to have as a team and we're really excited about it. There were some trials and tribulations in the past here and you know I sat back from afar and it was tough to watch as a, as a, as a BC lacrosse fan. What can fans expect from a Kurt Miloski coach team? Blue collar, extremely hardworking team. Um, play the game the right way, very disciplined. Um, we are the possession coach, we take care of the ball. Um, the scoreboard matters more than, than having personal vendettas against guys and run into the penalty box. We're, you know, we're just gonna, we're gonna teach young fans and, and then the people around town that this is how the game's supposed to be played. And it's gonna be honest effort, gets you honest results. We wanna be uh, the destination, the gold standard of lacrosse in Canada, honestly, and hiring Kurt is gonna take us there in that direction. Welcome to the Vancouver Warriors. Happy to be here. Thank you. Dax Aquilini is a rising star in that family. You'll hear more about him as the years go by. The uh, Canucks have lost one of their assistant general managers to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Derek Clancy has left Vancouver to join T.O. as an assistant GM. He, of course, won three Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. He was a scout there. He was a director of player personnel, and he was the first guy that Jim Rutherford hired when he took over the Canucks. The Leafs now have five assistant general managers. Hmm. They think if they keep adding more, they'll eventually win. <laughs> Is that how it happens? That's how it happens. Okay. They just haven't had enough assistant uh, GMs yet. That's the problem. It's been 60 years. Thanks, <laughs> All right, a couple of fundraising cowboys raising money for cancer with country music next on the News Hour. This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community. Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, more tonight on the port strike being back on. Of course, it's not just Vancouver affected. Prince Rupert has a port critical to its economy. We'll hear from the mayor of Prince Rupert at 11. Also, multiple suspicious fires in Green Timbers Park. They were discovered overnight. And now Surrey RCMP are telling residents to be vigilant and report suspicious activity. Full details tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie? All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, so thousands of people are expected at a country music festival in Cloverdale on the weekend, not just to enjoy the music, but also to help fight cancer. The event is the brainchild of twin brothers who lost their mother to cancer when they were just teenagers. As Jay Durant shows us in This is BC, they've been honoring her memory ever since. 
It's a busy week prepping Cloverdale's Bill Reed Amphitheatre, but everyone's chipping in, setting the stage for Saturday's big show. It's probably 30 of the most amazing, uh, loyal volunteers slash best friends slash family. Twin brothers Jamie and Chris Roshinsky's Gone Country is now in its ninth year raising money for the fight against cancer. An annual summer event in memory of their mother Janice who died of breast cancer when they were 19. It was really, really, really difficult to go through when, you know, a couple guys in, uh, in high school. For more than two decades, the brothers have been raising funds in various ways. At the start, a charity walk seemed like the easiest idea. He actually asked me to walk 60 kilometers and I started laughing. I'm like, can we just throw a party or something? <laughs> Barbecue events in their dad's backyard raised tens of thousands of dollars before they eventually outgrew that space. Uh, but we had about 350 people out and my dad was very proud of us, but he said, well done guys, find a new venue for next year though, please. Thanks to the 250 plus volunteers and many local artists donating their talents, last year's event brought in more than $850,000. There's some people that come up to me and give me a big hug and they tell me I haven't missed a single year. There's a, a giant chalkboard uh, in the middle of our grounds that says what would you say to cancer and everybody starts writing on it and it's a lot of tears and a lot of hugs. Uh, last year we set a goal to uh, outfit four of the rooms with all furniture and medical equipment. Proceeds have gone to different organizations like Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Jamie and Chris have taken on a number of different fundraising initiatives. But the highlight of the year is an event that mom would have been very proud of. My mom's brother is coming out uh, this year for his first time. I'm pretty excited to show him that his, uh, his sister's life meant something. This is right up her alley. She loved country music. She'd be here year after year after year if she was still around. Jay Durant, Global News. Jamie and Chris got us all a little choked up mm -hmm. with that last clip in the newsroom. Great stuff. And if you have another... Story that's awesome that you want to share with the rest of the province, just email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc@globalnews.ca. Enjoy the concert this weekend. Great lineup. Looks like it's going to be a good show. For sure. All right. It's dry out there. It's hot out there. And mm -hmm. it's just going to stay that way, Christy. For now. Yes, I mean, that's great news for anyone going to that concert, that's for sure. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are saying yes, and I get it, absolutely. Uh, but it isn't great news for, of course, the forest fire situation. So fingers crossed it doesn't get any worse in the days to come. Got to be careful out there, right? I mean, they're really leaning on us to mm -hmm. prevent these human-caused fires. Lightning's going to do its thing, of course, but everybody else mm -hmm. has a responsibility to be careful out there for sure. Also could just use a little freshness from a a rainfall. Yeah. It would just be nice. Yeah. It's a little refresher. All but right. Not thanks when, for th Not when you're golfing, please. No, 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 not, no, no. Of course not. Have the rain overnight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're not asking too much, are we? Have a great night, everybody. Good night, all.